Many people do not know that the requirements for success in professional practice is totally different from those required to succeed as a business person. Yes, there are points of convergence, but the fundamental principles are different. On this episode, the Talk TV crew engages with a Nigerian who was successfully transited from professional practice into entrepreneurship. Welcome, Dr. Abib Olamitoye, medical practitioner, philanthropist, and business coach. You're welcome, Dr. Olamitoye. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on the program. Th- thank you. It's a well-known fact that our educational system tends to prepare us for career progression rather than entrepreneurial endeavors. Yet you were able to successfully transit from a professional, to be specific, a medical doctor, to an entrepreneur. Tell us what the journey was like. Thank you very much. Just like you mentioned, in school, we majored on theory. We were prepared to work in a white collar job, to take salaries. We were prepared to work in an existing business system. We were never taught how to build a business system. I started off as a doctor that owned a private medical practice. Gradually, I had plenty of patients and then my staff strength increased. I realized I was going to know more about personnel, about people development than about medical treatment, you understand? So along the line, I began to buy books on how to train people, how to delegate duties, how to supervise people, and then within three years of doing this, I read several books on delegation and supervision and on people management. Within three years, I was able to free myself from the actual practice of medicine and had delegated entirely everything within the hospital to the people. So I was now able to focus on personnel management absolutely. And then basically the only thing I did not delegate at that time was thinking. So somebody told me somewhere that the first job of an, of an entrepreneur is thinking. The way he put it is, thinking is the first job of an entrepreneur. So you recognize early on that you It are, should be the only job. It should even be the only job? It should be the only job of the entrepreneur. Ultimately. Ultimately. You start by thinking. You see, think and grow rich. You have to start and then do a great proportion of the job, sometimes over 80% of the job at the beginning. 
gradually you move to doing 70%, 60%, 20%, 10%, and then you do nothing. So you scale down on doing as, yes. the, as the business progresses yes. and scale up on thinking. On thinking, and the thinking on organizing, thing. on then on training, teaching the substance of your thoughts to people. So that the value is replicated across board. Yes. You, first, you teach the purpose of the business. Okay. From the one. Purpose of the business. The vision that you have, where you think the business place should be in 10, 40, 50 years. And where you think the role of the people there will be in 10 years, in 30 years. Maybe some of them might have become managers. They will know that as a manager, they will have certain responsibilities. From day one, they'll be thinking okay. ahead that they will own official cars, that will, they will sit in managerial position and have people. And most of the time, these are junior people yeah. who are taking their assignment for the first time. So they are going to be conducting their thinking as if they, they, they were 10 years ahead and then they will be doing the job on the spot the way it's supposed to be done. So you are it's like thinking, thinking big and starting small. So, so, so you, you saw yourself at some point not as a medical practitioner, as a prof but as a professional in business. Yes, I once I saw myself as a medical practitioner, private medical practitioner, then hospital owner. Then gradually it's like someone who has hospitals but into other things. The last time I saw a patient in my hospital is probably 18 years ago. Okay. And then we have about four, 14 doctors in four different hospitals, two in two separate states, and then they work. So what I do... So you have more than 60 doctors in your no, chain we, of No, we have 14 doctors. 14, spread across four hospitals. Four hospitals, okay. apart from the consultants that come in and out of the hospitals. So, and all the doctors live inside the hospitals. You understand? Which was what I used to do at the beginning. You see, part of what I saw as a competitive advantage at the beginning was availability of doctors. Because if you are going to, if you are going into entrepreneurship, you must take cognizance of marketing. And then if you are going, talking about marketing, you are going to be talking about competition. Because you're not going to enjoy universal monopoly. Mm. There will be other people We're also competing, competing with you. You understand? So you're going to have, if you're going to war, there should be something like ammunition that can earn you victory. Some of the ammunition in marketing, they are called competitive advantages. Something that would make a patient or a customer who has been patronizing a particular organization for 10 years. What 
must you possess that will enable such a person move away from an established company and go to a brand new company you understand so you, those things are called competitive advantage how do you go about identifying your competitive advantage we sit down you conduct that in thinking you sit down by yourself and say what are those things that would make an ex a customer come to me and so live where they have market research yes it's, it's, they call it mind storming Mind storming. When you are doing it alone, it's mind storming. When you gather people together, it's called brainstorming. You understand? So when you sit down and you say, oh, it will be good to have an ambulance. It will be good to have uh, a laboratory in house, a scan in house, an x ray in house. It will be good to have competent nurses. It will be good to have clean environment. These are ammunitions. You understand? These are the things that customers will come, oh, this place is a great establishment. It will be good to have good location. You understand? Location. location. It will be good to have doctors who live there so that you won't have to say, wait for a doctor. You will always meet a doctor in the hospitals. These are the things that somebody will get angry about elsewhere and move happily to you about you understand what i mean now so these things are called competitive advantages you once you have about 20 that you can develop all by yourself then you invite your members of staff who also have patronized organizations like yours elsewhere they will mention what those ones have that you don't have and then you list all, all of them what are they? What should they? What should they be? What could they be? So you write out all of those, and then the ones you have, you keep them shiny, active. The ones you don't have, you set as a priority to have all of them. It is when you have plenty of competitive advantages that you can sex, be able to successfully satisfy the requirement, the second requirement of a, an impending entrepreneur. There are two reasons why you set up businesses. Okay. No more than two. One, to create new customers. To create new customers. Two, to keep them. It is when you have good competitive advantages mm -hmm. that you can create new customers. It is when you continue to sustain those competitive advantages that you can keep keeping them. Retain them, to Retain them so that they, they won't go elsewhere. So repeat purchase is the secret to business expansion. As it that is exactly. Hmm. This is deep, doctor. This is deep, doctor. But we'll take a break now and then when we return, we'll continue to explore this journey transiting from professional practice to entrepreneurial venture. Don't go away. All right, welcome back, and we're still speaking with Dr. Abib Olamitoye, a man who has successfully transited from medical practice into being a medical entrepreneur. And before we went on break, you were telling us um, the point when you realized that 
you cannot move the business of medical services forward if you continue to think like a professional. And that prompted you to go into reading and studying and finding out how businesses are run. Now, I want to get you right. Are you saying, in essence, that the fundamental principles which drives manufacturing businesses, service businesses, can also be replicated in professional practice businesses? Yes. You see, let's look at it this way. My driving force at that time was to raise my family in Ibadan. And I started my hospitals in Lagos. In Ajegunle. So two hospitals, invariably. When I found out that it was practically impossible for me to live in Ibadan and then leave people to run the hospital unless and until I became competent and proficient in putting people to work in good delegation, effective delegation, I began to read. Gradually, I began to absent myself deliberately to from work to your, test. Your efforts. It's like okay. setting a trap and see whether it will cash. You understand? So invariably, I was away for one week. Then I traveled for one month. Then at that time, I felt I was ready. I came to Ibadan to start another hospital. Another hospital. You understand? Let me tell you some of the gains I've realized as a result. It got to me that in doing all of this, that some of the things that you are actually called to do on earth, you miss them unless you begin to think like an entrepreneur. Can you please extrapolate on that? Today, now, I find more fulfillment, more joy in teaching entrepreneurship, in growing people's minds in the direction of prosperity, in revealing, removing the veil of poverty from people's eyes. I gain a lot of tremendous joy from their testimonies and then from their matriculation from poverty to prosperity than I did when I was healing the sick. I begin to see that this is I will never. Yeah, this is healing of the pulse. You see, when you heal the pulse, and then you heal the bank account, the bank statement, when you're able to do that successfully, remember, part of the factor of ailment is poverty. Rich people usually they may be sick, but not always. You understand? Poverty and diseases go hand in hand. They are second cousins. You understand? So if we are able to heal the pulse of a lot of people, then you can actually reduce the incidence of diseases in the hospital. Now, besides the realization, I mean, because I really, really want us to really talk comprehensively and intensively about the transition, because that's the area where a lot of people have issues. I mean, a lot of professionals today are submerged 
in the activities of their business. They are stressed out. There are many lawyers, architects, engineers, builders, and even medical doctors out there who are oversubscribed. The establishment they preside over is not expanding as it were, though they it has saturated. It has saturated because it's all revolving around them. And I would like to use your experience and example as a case study into showcasing what such persons need to be doing for them to, one, be able to shed the toga of business. Thank you very much. That is a fantastic question. You start by setting the goal, writing it down that you want to own the company and have people work there and then you give yourself a time lag, maybe three years, five years. The starting point... You still want to be a lawyer or a medical doctor, but you want to run it like a business. Yes, to run it like a business, which means you will still practice, but you can go on holiday for two months. You can go on sabbatical for one year. That's what I mean. You did that at some point. You, you see? So, the starting point of going somewhere is having an idea what the destination looks like. You understand? You set a goal and then possibly write a little essay about how it will feel when you are able to leave the practice and let other people do it. How will it feel? What will be the scenario at that time? Once you have that well documented, it guides your thinking, your soul as it were, yes. in the direction of where you are going. Because it's been said over and over again, what you can write about, you can bring about. What you can write about, you can bring about. Another law of attraction is what you can feel about, you can bring about. You understand? So when you write your feelings, how does it look like? How does it feel like? What would be the entire scenario? Once you have done that, then you set to work. You will have a system of values that you think can navigate the current business in that direction. What are the values system put in place that are compatible with the journey in the direction of autopiloted business. Because what you're talking about is that you want the business to run autopilot. autopilot. You understand now? So once the value is well understood, it should be maybe about four to five or maximum seven values. You understand? Of course, you are going to be mentioning things like honesty as an a, as a foundational, a foundational principle. principle. Honesty, hard work, humility, cleanliness, friendliness. You understand? And things like that. And then ethics. ethics. You understand? So once you come up with all of that, these are things that are teachable. Then your next assignment will be, which is usually what they call the first law of management, to hire the right people. 
who are the people currently in my place of work that have value system compatible with this? With the values that you have enumerated, who have opposing values? Those who possess the same value can be retained. Those who have variant values, especially the core values, must be allowed to live. So no sentiments. You see, objectivity is the essence. Because your role is that of an a fair empire, umpire, a, a moderator. You understand? It's like a manager's job is that of working with people and raising their potentials, bringing out their resourcefulness. So, so when, when you're determining those who will form part of the team, as it were, um, the values has to be the checklist. That has, that is a, no it has, two way no two way about it. The values not, that you are waiting out. If you have the best worker who is dishonest, he must leave. You understand? You see, like has been said, also they said, to move your organization up, it's all about the people. Because the company can only grow at the rate at which the people are competent. Competent organizations, competent people, you understand? But first competent people. You grow the people to grow the business. You do not use the people to grow the business. You use the business to grow the people. If you are going up, it has to be all about attitude. It is the attitude, not the aptitude, that will spell your altitude. You understand? So if you are going to a high altitude, it has to be as a result of high attitude, not high aptitude. People can be trained to do the work well. That is why you hire nice people. You can never train people to be nice. You can't what? train attitude. You can't train attitude because people are fixed in their ways. You understand? Rather than the labor, the sleepless nights, the worry, the anxiety of teaching a thief to be good. Why do all of that? Hire good people. That is why 90% of your consideration should be attitude. 90%. Not even 60. 10%. Aptitude. Because aptitude can be learned. It can be learned. Good people can become great. 90% to attitude. Attitude. If you do that, if you are able to have a good team, Half of your job of delegating the entire organization to them is well underway. I, I, I wish we had more time to to stretch the conversation on this HR thing further, mm -hmm. but I reckon there are other aspects to the system, to the business system, mm -hmm. and all of the various aspects of the system must work in integrity. In synergy. In synergy. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Perhaps we'll have time to go back to that later. But mm -hmm. what are the other aspects of a business that 
someone who is translating from being a professional, from professional practice to entrepreneurship needs to take cognizance of, and how should he or she go about it? Yes. Besides once, once you have your people in place, the next thing is organizing the place. They call it organization. Because what you're doing is growing an organization. Therefore, you must have what they call organogram. Organogram is the structure. How will it look like? How will the hierarchy be systemized? Even though the business is still a two-man Even business. if it is one, it's two Even man. if it's a one-man or two-man Yes. You should plan the organogram, the organogram in advance. In a, that is why they always say that if you are running a little shop, you must have a little office. Because your office is a thinking room. It is a place you have to read. Mm -hmm. You have to plan. You should begin to dissociate yourself from the whole way of the business and go into a room and put the people there and think for them. Think for your people. Yes. That should be the ultimate job that you will be doing invariably. So you better start it right away. So you will have the organogram. The organogram invariably will mean that if you continue to have more businesses, you are going to have cleaners. So the sales person will be a little bit above the cleaners. The sales person will be an ambassador that will attract more customers and more staff. If they become two, you have two ambassadors in-house and when they go, they sing your praise. Let me say, the praise of the organization. You understand? And then you have a long list of people needing the kind of care you have. Which is why we always say that when you are forming an organization, you are building a family. You must treat the staff like members of your family. Therefore, the warmth aspect and the task aspect should be going hand in hand. You should be caring. At the same time, you should be task oriented. You should be target oriented. They are not robots. They are people. You treat them and deal with them as loving as you can. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you they must know that you want result, mm -hmm. not activity. You don't want people who will be busy. They are going to be busy for a purpose. You understand? So as they are coming, you create what they call job description. They have to know what they have to do. So after the organogram, yes, each of every the officers person, that will you must have your own, your own job description. What am I supposed to do every day? And then every other, every other person, person must have written job description. Because what you are trying to do, you are building a team. Is your like Alex Ferguson or Wenger, or you are building a team. Everybody must be in different positions. And then they must work in synergy. That is, they must pass to each other. Mm -hmm. You understand? They must work hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to do that, each person must know 
what his major rules are. They call those things the key resort areas. Key resort areas. You understand? That is why they are paid. That is why they are on the payroll. Everybody must know why they are on the payroll. Mm. It is when they all know all of this. And then you design, you take people in because there is a particular role that is deficient. And that the person coming must be tested and tried and found to be good in that role. And then that person will be, will be brought in that position and then should be shown and trained and coached to become proficient on that role. It's not enough to just hire people and put them on a job. Your job only starts as an entrepreneur the day they resume because you still need to coach to them. Coach them because your job is to be a trainer. That's why you don't, when you train somebody and he's going, you already have an established role. Everybody knows what that person is supposed to do. So when you are bringing in that person, you just show the person and the rest will join to say, this is your role. This is your Even after about one week, the person will know that, oh, this is, this is part of my own role. Mm. You understand that? So you, you see that the is like... Because the a lot field of us draw that organograms without actually putting specificities to the roles that each person that will man specific areas will be playing when they get to the organization. Yeah, if we don't do that, everything will be reduced to theory. Mm. Because you have... You are doing all of that because you want to satisfy customers. You are going into business because you want to have good results, mm. which is what they call bottom line. Yes. You understand now? That is how you are rated. And then you must realize that your own company and all other companies providing similar uh, products or services are in competition. Sure. It's like a league. Some people will be at the top of the league. Mm -hmm. Some will be at the relegation zone. You understand now? So every day, the way you conduct your own will determine whether you're winning or whether you're losing. Every day is like every match. It's like every match. You understand now? So you have to win every day. You have to succeed every day. It's not enough or sufficient for you to say, oh, your sales was good yes, last week or yesterday. It has to be victory so is an everyday the, thing. The graph has to go up. It has to go up. And then you must do, you must know what you're doing right. And you keep doing that. And you keep doing that. And you must keep teaching the personnel. Yes, you have to be in rapport with all of them. It can be very entertaining if you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing. But uh, again, there are other aspects of the business like um, the cash flow, uh, sales and marketing, business development, uh, public outreach, customer relations, customer satisfaction. Uh, can you please touch on these areas? Because I yes, know these are you, areas. You, you, you need to also train your people on thinking. Because they are people, they can think. You train them on decision making. From time to time, you are the boss. You give them a job to do. And then other things will come up. And then it's an aberration to what they have done in the past. It's very different from what they did. And then 
Some of those things will come as an emergency. And then they keep coming to you. And then they keep calling you. And then they keep phoning you. That's you don't want all of that. What do you do? You just develop a form. You develop a form and say, nature of problem. They will describe it on paper. What are the possible solutions? All possible solutions to this problem. So you are forcing them to be independent? Yes! If you cannot do that, the business can't go autopilot. Because they will still be coming to you. So when you give them a form to fill, what are the nature of problem? The nature of problem, possible then solutions. possible solutions. Then they will pick one. Tell them to pick one. It is when they are finding it difficult to pick one that they will bring the form to you. That they are picked. They can't get pick one to pick after writing about ten possible solutions. If you do that, they will never come to you. What if none of the solutions they prefer? aligns with your own business strategy or with your own vision for the organization. What do you do? You step in and give them your own idea? Or you, you allow see, them to still run with theirs? You see, the, some of the time, you see, this, there is no right answer for business. There is no right answer no, for business. No right answer. That's a new one. Yes. In business management, they say, that is why business is not all about the right answers. Because you won't get one. It's all about the right questions. The right question. Business management is all about getting the questions right. All the time. All the time. Because one answer can provoke even a better answer. One question or one answer? Or one answer can provoke a better answer. You understand what I mean? So if what I think is the proper thing to do, some of my people who work with me, who are in the field, can come up with something better because they do the job every day. A lot of them will be better than me in negotiating. You understand? Because I'll be negotiating as a boss. They'll be negotiating to rubbish your achievements, to let you know that in this area, in this of the area business, they are experts. I'm so, so, so you, you, it's not only about delegating, it's not only about specifying roles, you also... Train them about decision making, seem to, to run the thing. Seem, seem to be saying you also need to empower them. Yes, you need to. That is what delegation is about, empowerment. You understand? You put them and let, do this thing. You can do it. Trust them. So not you a master-servant relationship now, no, but a no, coach-player no. coach. relationship. That's why I kept mentioning Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea. He's a coach. That is what a manager is. An entrepreneur is a coach. Like see, yes, we are all coaches. We are not supposed to be playing. We are supposed to let people play well. In their roles. In their roles. You manage, you you have an hospital, you have a chain of hospitals that you run. Yes. As an entrepreneur, a group of hospitals. Um, how did you go about your accounting system? Because I've met many professionals who tell me that is one area they have a lot of issue with. Besides personnel, they also, the next area they have issue with is cash flow management and uh, inventory and those areas. When I started, 
I my approach was very primitive, crude to say the least. Uh, I was very proficient in saving. In saving, yes, right from as a student. As a, student yes. Base. So when I started, I said, okay, there are four. I call that the formula of four. Formula of four. 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 One, two, three, four. I said there are four weeks in the month. So all the earnings of the first week should go to a particular account. That is paying the organization first. The key to saving is to pay yourself first. Anywhere. Because if you are going to pay yourself last, you want to spend and then save what is left. Nothing will be left. Therefore, you save first and spend the rest. All prosperous people always save first and then they manage the rest. All foolish people always spend first and try to save. Is left. You understand? And more often than not, there is nothing, nothing to is save. Left. So, so you invite that, that principle. That principle. Pay the organization first. First. That is first. And what you pay the organization is savings for the organization. Uh, yeah, that is saving. And then I never touched this amount for seven years. So it keeps compounding. I kept piling and piling. A lot of people, they say, why are you compiling and compiling? That is why I run four hospitals. I run a big hotel. I run a trees. I run, yes. I run organizations in UK. I have never taken a loan anywhere from any bank in my life. So you divide the month into four. Into weeks. four. The, the first, first one week. The first one. Whatever week. is earned, gross. Gross. All goes into an account, month. and that is the payment for the business. Yes. The like second savings. week. We always have what they call idea bank. Idea bank means all of us working together. What should we do? What are the things lacking? Some people will say the door to theater is faulty. Some people, other people will say there's no cover for the WC. Some people will say there's no pump in the uh, suctioning pump in the theater. And then we say whatever we can use all of that to do for the second week, we manage. So you prioritize based we on prioritize, yes, on, we have blow, we have idea bank. Because what a lot of us will do is whatever comes in, we use to take care of the immediate needs. No, we, we, now there must be a system of organization. System of organization. A, a particular policy that is systemized is better than no policy. You understand? So the second week, I call that crude. This second week, I did use for renovation. You understand? Then the third week, we used to buy stocks, drugs, medicine, and all the things needed in the hospital. Separate account. Se separate account for that. You understand? Then the last week, we pay salary. That's the running cost. That is yes. That is all of that. Then. Some of the time, the, 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 we have two or three days after. That one, I kept in my pocket. 
to it. At that time, I had never inherited anything like the burden of a family. I had no wife, no children, no forceful commitment for seven years that I started my hospital in Lagos. It was after seven years that I got my wife or I saw my wife and did marriage. At that time, I already had enough money. That one, one week, one, one week. That you were saving up for seven years. was what I used in 14 months to build five-story building. Yeah. 14 months. If I had not been saving that money since that time, at that time that I wanted to start the building, I would need a loan. Sure. So I took the deal for myself. Now, did someone teach you this principle? You said it's crude. I mean, if you keep reading business books every day, you see, when you read books, you will find something useful there to apply to what you are doing. Whether in the or... Oh, oh, yes, there will be some that will be there as reservoir of knowledge. There are some that are ripe for application. You just apply that, and then you apply that. And these are books written by intelligent people. These are books written by successful people. People who run chains of businesses. People who are legend in their own field. You understand? You climb on the shoulders of giants. You see further than them. You see, if you do not have the time to learn what you're supposed to know, then you have the time to correct the mistakes. I didn't get that. If you don't have the time... You don't make out time. If you don't have the time to do it first time, to learn how to do it first time, and get it right, and get it right first time, you will be forced to create time to correct errors and mistakes. So, so the thing to do is to find time. Nobody ever has time. So the time you make out to read, which will help you to prevent mistakes, is like an investment. Is that what you're saying? You see, I wake up. In the past 30 years, there has been no time, even when I'm in, inside an aircraft, on night flight, I wake up 4 o'clock. Oh, if I'm in America, if I'm in Canada, China, I've been to these places, South Africa, anywhere. If I'm anywhere I am, once their time is four in the morning, most of the time I don't suffer this thing they call jet lag. When it's time to sleep in America, I will sleep. Because you your, body, your body clock. My, I will just say, I want to sleep. Once I'm I take a little bit of water and I lie down in bed. I'm gone. I don't owe anybody any money. You understand? No loan, no problem. I don't worry about anything. I sleep. You understand now? So I wake up 4 o'clock. What I will do between 4 o'clock and 7 o'clock where a lot of people Just wake up is the difference between 
my own achievement and their own achievement mm, i've read i've read somewhere and I've, I've 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 read a lot of autobiographies of successful business people and successful political figures and there's a thread that i see a commonality in all of these people which is they are usually morning people they have money they, they do a lot i mean all of them most of them not all of them now most of them seem to be saying to us that what they achieve between 3.34 a.m. and 6.7 a.m. is far more than what they would achieve from, the day. from 7 till Throughout 11 day. a.m. Believe me, most times, most times. So champions need most to times, start back 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I've closed for the day. I have nothing to do. That's strange. Every day. That's when a lot of us are just getting to the office. You understand now. Why? Because I have... I know a list of what I'm supposed to do. And I know that I'm not supposed to do those things. I have an army of people. You understand now? And most of the time, it is just reminding them on WhatsApp, reminding them on text messages, and then doing all of those. Any job that I want to do, I can do in those three hours. Any books that I want to read, I can read when all of us sleeping and then let me tell you one secret please if you start by writing what you are supposed to do every day and then you wake earlier than the rest soon you'll be dictating what the rest will do during the day. day deep that's quite deep that's quite deep now uh, let's touch on business development because i want to assume that um, getting the right people to staff your establishment, having the right core values in place is not enough. You must also have something called business development strategy. How did you go about that at some point? You what see, one thing I can derive from that is some of the time I always let people replace or substitute that word business for marketing. You see, business is marketing. Every other thing is commentary. Every other thing is commentary. It's commentary. <laughs> business is marketing. You understand? Marketing is like priming a pump. When you prime a pump quickly, business will go quickly. When you prime a pump slowly, the business will go slowly. When you stop priming a pump, business will stop going. You understand? Marketing, business is all about marketing. And that was why I said there are two things why you have to do that you have to do when you are running business. One, to create new customers. Two, to keep new customers. Anything that will let you do all of that is called strategies. You understand what I mean? So it makes it demystifies all those terminology called business strategies. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like that. Those things are simple. Great things are simple. So people should not allow the terminologies no, and concepts to, confuse you. to become a war yeah. that keeps them away from yeah. the actual practice. You understand now. Principles. What are you going to do? And then you can develop what they call the P's of, of marketing. The P's of marketing, so there are, are many. Yes, it used to be four, but now there are so they, many. There are so many. We, we, 
with my famous professor, the best professor I have in marketing, in business, when I was doing my MBA. It's called Professor Gaba. Professor Gaba, there Gaba. are two Professor Gaba that I know. The husband and the wife, which one of them? The wife. Professor Kase Gaba. Gaba, yeah, Kase, yes. You see, in ABA, she said, there are four Ps, but when you go out, you may have to develop other Ps. You understand now? And then, in practice, when we came out, we now discovered that beyond the P of uh, promotion for your business, product, and place, and price, which are the fundamentals, mm -hmm. we now came out and began to have thinking tools. We now discovered that the major strategy is people. People, their training, the way of assessing them, the way, you see, a business place where the mood is good, where everybody is excited, is happy, is very contagious. Mm. Customers come and they pay where they feel glad. Nobody ever pays when he feels sad or where it's made to feel sad. You understand? So repeat patronage is a function of emotions. It is. God bless your life. It's an emotion of emotion, creating positive emotion in the business place. Even though what you're selling is a physical object sometimes. Yes, people buy for emotional reasons more than they buy for logic. They just use logic to explain the emotions. This is awesome. You understand now? So, when we came out, we began to look at other thinking tools for strategies, the people. And then we begin to look at the procedures. Some of the time, procedures will encourage queuing. And you know, queuing, key business. People don't want to walk, to come in, and then have to queue and see so many people there that have not been attended to. You understand? You have to fine-tune the procedures to encourage effective, accelerated attention to customers. So you, you, so, so you seem to be talking about value chain here. No, you understand. You see, all these things start with P. The chain. People, yes. The, 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 the various segments of the business yes. operate as a chain. That's what you chain. Yes. Yes. It's synergy. And you must you must understand which was the weak chain and yes. address it. So follow the procedure so that, that the synergy can we have you break at the point mm. of the weakest chain. Mm. You understand now? So that P of uh, uh, power, power supply is energy for the business. You understand? Is it constant? You owe it a duty because when the light is bright, the mood is good. You understand? You must understand all of so, this. So the psyche yeah. of the workers and everyone involved in the business is directly proportional to the energy available yes. in terms of electricity. Is in terms of electricity. When the business place is cool or when the business place is hot, 
you understand you begin to the, see the, the temperature the cold yeah. temperature enhances productivity and resourcefulness yes and thank resourcefulness. you yes thank you and uh, somebody also told me that even the color with which you paint your business premises yeah. goes a long way in determining is it dull is it exciting is it captivating is it, you understand now so electricity is also it's a part major of business, role it's a major role business strategy you understand so these are things you have to look at all the 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 the, the thinking tools and then develop strategies based on them in which will then of course be an offshoot of your values your mission and your vision yes so invariably when you are succeeding it becomes complicated for the people coming in to compete with you to copy what you're doing mm. they can't copy because there are so many other things that go along with what they want to copy that are working in integrated yes. So it's not just one thing. So it's difficult for them. What you are doing right is amenable to attrition and improvement. Yeah. You understand? <laughs> and then when they come, they just look at the frozen spot of what you're doing now. And business, you know, is dynamic. You it's, understand? It's, it's not static. It's, it's, it keeps changing, keeps yeah. improving, keeps getting better. But what That's they, what they see call is Kaizen. Kaizen means Japanese. It's a Japanese word. Meaning good change. Good change. Means that you look at where you want. They, they call that in line of sight. What you see when you look up. How do you improve it every day? How do you rotate your staff members? Because rotation is a job of the manager. Somebody who is in the laundry in the hotel might be more effective in housekeeping you understand now and then you get inferior quality of results if you let him stay permanently in the laundry you rotate people you reorganize people that is why in the field of play some people who are hired as a striker can be very good in the midfield we you understand? We started our football playing career as strikers. We ended up as goalkeepers. As goalkeeper, you understand what I mean? And they become outstanding goalkeepers. So you need to also the manager should be able to see the creativity, the talent, the raw talent, and then develop that. And that you can achieve more when you have a system of rotating. Yes. You will know where people can have their maximum. Input. Doesn't that have some attendant risk? Risk is a calculated risk. A lot of people have a problem, especially in our climate. And as I'm sure you must know uh, that a lot of people have problem with thinking. People don't have thinking skills. A lot of people get bored easily. When you ask them to think, after two, three minutes, they want to just get going. How do you redirect the energies of such persons? In order to think, because we're talking about the mind, if the discipline are, of thinking, uh, have you acquired it? Yes, if you are going, it's just like the way you acquire muscular, physical effort by training the muscles. When you train the muscles, the first few days is very difficult. There is pain, there is uh, sluggishness, there, is, uh, there are mistakes. There, but after some time, they become proficiency and excellence and perfection. You understand? 
What is worth doing at all is worth doing poorly at the beginning. What is worth doing at all is worth doing poorly, poorly at, the at the beginning. You understand? Like they used to say that um, every star was once a disaster. You understand? You have to make mistakes on your way to proficiency and efficiency. So when you look at starting to think, you have to be able to also do the exercise of the mind. And that is where reading comes in. Somebody who is not reading every day can't use the mind. Is the mind is the taking apparatus. Is permanently switched off. Permanently. Switched off. It's an apparatus. It's just like the apparel we use at home. Electrical apparatus. Mm -hmm. Like a television. It's a television. It's switched off permanently. To switch it on regularly, you have to train the switch. You have to grease the switch to come on easily. Sometimes to come on permanently. So the mind has to be trained. Trained. And then you have to read books that trains the mind to think. Books about business. If you are going to be thinking about business, you must train the mind about business principles, about business rules, about the laws of governing, governing, uh, governing business. There are several laws. The Pareto law, the business, the, the law of uh, hiring, the laws of dehiring, the laws of finance, the laws of control, the law of administration. You must know all of this. If you don't know all of this, then you are somehow uh, pressed down. You, there's a bar on you, on your head, to the degree that you know about a particular law. If you are operating a law and it's making you to succeed, you get to a point where you will need another law to go to the next level. So what you what you read is what you think and how you Yeah, think. it is the thinking that will bring vigor to because your I, I was mind. listening to Magic Johnson, I mean the former American basketball uh, success story, Magical Johnson, and he said when he when he conceived the idea of going into business to become an entrepreneur, he sought out role models. Yes. He mentioned a particular name of someone that he went to and told the person, please teach me how to be a successful business like businessman like you. He said the first words that the gentleman uttered to him was, what do you read? You understand. And he said, um, well, I he said, no, I mean, what business books or journals do you read? Yeah, do you read? When you pick up a newspaper, which page do you go? He said he told the gentleman that he goes to the sports page. And the man said, no, you want to be a successful businessman, the starting point is for you to start reading the business Business page. books, you see, you understand. What are the business write-ups in newspapers, journals, in books? Which business media do you expose yourself? Yourself to. That's the first time. I learned something from there. Oh, really? So, <laughs> to think well in business about You business, have to know to the rules you are going to apply. It's the same thing as geometry. The geometry will broaden your mind. You understand? It's the same thing with, with business. The more you know, the more you grow. The more you learn, the more you earn. So what about those who say, I've had people say, if you don't have the skills of thinking, uh, hire someone to think for you as an entrepreneur. What's your disposition towards that idea? Well, you will not come to a position to 
do not carry the capacity to hire somebody to think unless you can think. So what's the place of consultants? Yes, consultants come in. You know, when you have a coach in the field of play, yes. you bring a coach for shooting, shooting coach. You bring a coach for goalkeepers. You bring a coach for... Consultants are very good in the sense that they are very objective. They will tell you the truth. And then there are certain things that they can do because they are experts in that particular area that you have invited them. They can do a lot to heal an ailing department. You know, it's like sometimes you may not carry the capacity to know that that department is ailing. Because inside, right? you are inside it. You understand? Which is why reading books and then making your business to run autopilot in most cases turns you to a consultant in the business. But sometimes an additional consultant will be good when it gets to a stage where the business is very large and then it's compartmentalized and then the uh, there is heavy bureaucracy mm. then coming in to play there mm. and then you want to sustain simplicity. So a, a consultant should not be a substitute for the entrepreneur's roles. No. But rather should complement it's, it's complementary. Complementary. You understand? It's to come there and repair the ailments and then show you what is wrong so that when it goes you will not let what has been healed to get sick again. Good one, but you also talked earlier that you've never taken a loan to run your business and improve and expand your business. Is taking a loan really bad as an entrepreneur? Uh, taking a loan, one, first of all, you know it's a risk. Because it's a risk, you have to say, is it calculated? How do you calculate the risk of uh, taking a loan? One, when, at what level do you pay back? That is calculating. What is the rate? Rate of interest. Can you afford to pay back at that time? And then, if you do not take the loan, what are the substitutes? You understand? Will the business go under if you don't take the loan? You understand? Because you are just as free as the number of alternative options that you have. You know, sometimes looking, thinking properly, you might not need the loan. You see, some of the time, thinking can help you to escape the pain of loans. You understand? Many people just use money to treat or get yourself off the hook of the labor of thinking. You understand? They just bring money to cure, to prevent them from thinking. When most of the time when you think properly and you have all the facilities 
needed to conduct the thinking very well. The loan that you know is unnatural. We all know that taking loan is not natural. So but it's good. It's been taught that you should use other people's money, uh, you should not use your money, you should use other people's energy, and you should not use your energy, you should use other people's resources, and you know how do you conduct that? You have to learn how to do that. Most of the time, in learning that, just like Shakespeare said, that neither a lender nor a borrower be. But can one expand one's business exponentially in today's world without some form of intervention that we have loan or bringing other investors? Most of the time, it's a function of how many, how much experience you have. You understand? Because the safest way, the safest place to reinvest your business is in the money, is in the place where the money came, where you have cognitive experience, where you have learning curve. That is where, that is the safest place. If you're going to take loan, you should invest it in what you know about. Okay. If you are taking a loan to invest in something that you do not know about, then you have to take the time, it becomes higher. higher, it becomes a gamble. Then you have to read, in the process of reading, you can as well be saving for the loan. Mm. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you so much.
The magic business is a huge industry spending hundreds of billions of dollars annually. Unfortunately, many Africans rarely pay attention to the potentials inherent in the industry as a subset of the entertainment industry. On this episode, the Talk TV crew speaks to Zito Pella, a Nigerian who has been in the magic industry for more than three decades. Zito Pella, thank you very much for joining us on the program. It's my pleasure. Now, the business of magic. Yes. Please take us through the process. If I'm going to set up an operation where I want to engage in show business and the entertainment side that I want to operate in is magic, how do I go about it? Well, basically, you have to start from the scratch. And when I mean the scratch is you have to learn. I mean, you, you get to learn from professionals or formal education in schools. That's how I started. I started training under my dad, Professor Peller, at a very tender age. I was actually seven years old when I started. And um, all through the years then, I was in school, primary school, secondary school. I was always going on tour with my dad because he had a very big show and it was more like a family show. So I was always in his convoy then. So I started the opportunity to learn on the master. I started at a very tender age. I had the opportunity to learn from one of the best in the world because my dad was a a member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians. That's the world body of magicians. You see? So I started gradually at a tender age. I graduated when I left secondary school back in uh, at universities. But when I got to the university, then I was studying law. Please, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me cut you short there. Okay. If I'm going to start the business of magic, let's assume I've undergone training, I've been found to be qualified to yes. practice as a professional. Okay. How do I set up the organization and how do I run it profitably? Okay, that's fine, yeah. Yeah, but um, you've got to have a business plan, like any oh, other right. business. business plan for magic? Yes, you do, because you see, in recent times, then it used to be, uh, when you talk about entrepreneurship, it used to be in business, but nowadays it's gone beyond that. It's gone into social and political activities. I mean, um, so, so, so you do a business plan? Yeah, I have a business plan. What are plan. the kind of things that will be in the business plan um, if you the, submit the, a business plan to If, me, if I submit a business plan to you right now, you're going to be seeing my plans in the next five years, where I intend to start from, what I want to get started with, well, the second stage of it, and um, all, the, all the hands I'm going to need to make it. Personnel. Personnel, finance, personnel, marketing, finance, marketing, branding. So, so virtually the whole gamut of process that's a merchandising business yes. or retail business or manufacturing business undergoes is the same process that is is the same the is the same process because um, I'm into show business. I'm a showman. I'm into show business. So I'm into the business of show. So okay. I'm a showman, so I'm a show business. I'm what are the other things that I need to put together if I'm setting up an organization where I would want to um, do magic as showbiz, yeah. as an entertainer? 
what would the organization look like? What's in terms of personnel, in terms of the structure? Yeah. Um, if we're talking about a manufacturing company, for instance, you know that the structure, you're going to have the MD, operations manager, admin manager, general manager, factory manager, okay. finance, you know, and so on. What's the structure of a typical magic business like? Uh, well, uh, the structure of a typical magic business um, is going to be based on my <coughs> own organization. What I do in my organization yeah. is once I have a business plan, this is what I want to do, this is how I want to execute it, then personnel, for you to put a show together, you need assistance, you need personnel. Like, um, uh, um, this is a continuation of my dad's show, Professor Pella's show, and during his days he was known as Professor Pella and he had a Lady Pella, you know? So my sister and I were playing the part of Professor and Lady Pella, then we need state hands because when I was growing up, me and my brothers, we were the state hands as a state assistant and that was when I was um, learning from my dad. I was like an apprentice under him, so I was doing a master. My dad was actually my master. Yeah, you were like the apprentice. Yes, I was the apprentice. So basically, so now what I do is I am the magician. I have my assistant. So I need stage hands, stage assistants who are going to set up the props. Yeah. So, but, but your own organization, the one that you head presently, the magic business organization that you head, can you give us the organogram? Okay, I'll, 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 I'll let you know. Presently, I'm the artist. I have a you manager. You are the product. Yes, I'm the product. Yeah. So I need someone to sell me. Yeah. So I have a manager, which is very important. And um, I have a media man, a PR man, like who's going to put me in the faces of the people, social media, newspaper, television, radio. Yeah. But as it is, those are the two important posts <coughs> in my organization. Okay. The rest I do on my own. Because it's my business, I take the decision and. Um, Whatever I want to get done, I have to think fast. I make it happen. I tell my manager what he has to do, the PR what he has to do, and um, basically that's how I get it running. That's how you roll. How do you prospect for business? Well, basically the manager does most of it. The manager does most of it because that's his job. He just go out, and um, they have to really be in town to know what's going, on, know what events coming up, who to talk to. And I won't want to do that. I tell, I tell my manager and I tell people around me that I really want to concentrate on my heart. I want, I, all the time I have, I want to practice my heart. So if you wake me up in the middle of the night, that there's a show anywhere in the world, I just want to come and get everything done. So you free yourself from the business side as much as you can. Yes, I try so to. So that you can concentrate on the arts. So that I can concentrate the on the heart. But you, you, as we all know, people are very difficult to manage. So you still have to monitor them. You still have to push them. But um, it's working. Now, you started magic at a very tender age. Yes. You've been involved in it. And you knew that you were going to take it up as a profession. Yet you went on to the, to, to the bag an LLB and LLM in law. Yes. I can imagine a lot of lawyers out there feeling to themselves, 
How could you just go and get an LLM, a master's degree in law, and this is all you have to do? Is there any correlation, is there any relevance between that which you studied in school and what and the business of magic that you practice at the moment? Yeah, basically when I started out as a student, yeah, I, I just had this whatever I, I, want, I wanted to be a lawyer. You get it? So I started with that. I was going to school from my prim no, not in my primary school. My primary school days, no idea. I was yeah, just doing secondary school. school. I started having the idea, <coughs> okay, I want to be a lawyer. And my dad actually supported it. He wanted me to be. You see? But at a very tender age, I've been assisting my dad on stage and he saw the enthusiasm in me and um, he knew I was really, really interested in magic too. Yeah. So he was training me in magic. Let me know, please. Yes. The training you had as a lawyer. Yes. How has it impacted on the operation? In what ways? And I want us to be specific now. In what ways has it impacted on your operation? Yeah, basically, it has it has impacted on my operation because um, um, nowadays, as a magician, I do contract. As a contract, I get I get contracts to perform and um, with corporate companies. I study the agreement myself. I don't need a lawyer to interpret it to me. You know, there are lots of um, contracts that you can fault. I mean, maybe there's some hidden things in contract. I I do fish it out as a lawyer because I get I get for you to go and perform maybe in America or in, in England there must be a contract. So when they bring they bring the contract, they'll say, okay, let's meet social place with a lawyer. I don't need a lawyer. I'm one. So I go through that and um, take us through the industry. What's the industry like globally and nationally on the African continent? Okay. Yeah, you see, in um, let's let's start from Nigeria. My dad, my dad was the only professional magician in Nigeria, Professor Pella. When I was growing up, there was no other magician in Nigeria except for Professor Pella, and that was where I started my training. I mean, he was um, he was representing Nigeria in other parts of the world. As in, I he was a member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Um, they have these annual conventions. My dad will go sometimes when I wasn't in school. I'll go with him. So there's an the annual convention. gathering of magicians. Yes, there is an annual gathering of magicians in the US and in the UK. I know you're also a member of the Brotherhood. We still come back to talk about the industry. You're also a member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Yes, I'm a member. So you must have been going for conventions. What kind of things happen at the convention? So it starts from the church. It's a five day thing. It starts from the church after prayers. We'll go, we have exhibitors, you go to the exhibition hall, you, you, you buy what you want to buy, you see what you want to see, you meet people, you meet great magicians, you meet, I was a very young boy when I met David Copperfield, David Copperfield, the foremost magician in America, he was my dad's friend, I met him at a convention in Las Vegas, you see? So that's you. It brings magicians all over the world together. So it starts so from the you church. Network, you, you network, share ideas, you share ideas, and there are exhibitors. Exhibitors. So it's like a five-day thing. We have banquets, we have dinner, we have all kind of things you can imagine at a convention. So at the end of the day, at the end of the the fifth day, it's still a prayer, a Thanksgiving prayer in the church. And everybody departs. Now, from and that convention, everybody goes back to, yeah, to their location. To the location. 
Now tell us what the industry is like besides the convention. What are the other activities in the industry that you can say these are the things that define the magic business industry in the world as of today? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you and I'm going to use um, David Copperfield as a study case okay. because he's one of the prominent, he's more, the, the most the prominent magician in America, you see. He, he's been home for a very long time and I'll tell you, aside from my father, is my role model. What is it that they do that defines their art and their business? I know he does television shows. He does television shows, he does stage shows, he tours the United States. Performs in venues, at venues, at venues. clubs. These, these shows are being organized by his management company, which is not the same as this company. They engage in, is a contract. He's an artist, yes. We want to sign you for five years. And that's what he's been doing, and they, he's been renewing the contract. He's been renewing the contract. So, so that's how the industry works. That's how the industry works in advanced countries. It's like you being a supermodel, and then you have agencies, agencies that yeah. you have contracts with. You have contracts. So they prospect for the job and just invite you and take that it down. That is it. That is it. You don't. You don't know yours is yeah. They you, they they give you uh, an itinerary a timetable. Then okay next week you've got shows here here and here it's not for you to look for the shows it is there you you've even signed a contract so it's really working good there but in nigeria it's been difficult i'll tell you because i remember during my dad days my dad was uh, the soul the soul and blood and everything of the show there was no sponsor there was no management company there when there were no corporate bodies you know so it was run like a family business he was run he like himself a, his wife and his children and, and his children so he was sponsoring his shows he was sponsoring his publicity he was sponsoring whatever he did then it was solely his effort but today but today it's better now you know it's really better now because we you have professional publicists now professional publicists we have management companies too yeah but there's a close to that so <laughs> tell us that close you want to learn <laughs> no there's close to that we all know what goes around you know because they they just want you to sign something that's why i said being a lawyer it opens my eyes to so many things i mean they just get you to sign a contract loaded in it you don't know some some things that won't even favor you embedded in it you wouldn't know but as a lawyer i just i take my time i take my time i think the lessons that uh, entertainment people showbiz people and entrepreneurs generally yeah. should learn from this that this thing you just said is that you don't take contracts lightly get no. a professional no if no, you don't no. have the yeah. training if you don't have the training, exposure if i'm not a lawyer contract. i won't sign a contract without getting a lawyer yeah but so the fee you pay is an investment it's an investment and it's worth it is what they were at the end of the day you just be in bondage for okay, let's, let's go ahead and continue our discussion about the industry um how do you get jobs yeah very well thank you like i told you i have a business plan which i am executing and uh, so far so good i've been in show business since um i've been a kid but when my dad passed on in 97 that he was my best friend so i had to take a break I've been out of the country for a very long time so i just got back three years ago and just to revive magic because since my dad died there 
there's no magician in Nigeria. So all you see is comedy, music, uh, actors and actresses. I mean, I magic, magic, magic was no. So who is way. a typical client? I mean, tell us who is a typical client of your business. Well, um, you say anybody can be a client okay. if you got things to sell. If you got things to sell, if you got services to provide, and um, you you want to pass across a message. I mean, it's like you you know what magic is. Even if you see anything. Yeah, anything that's exciting, anything that is cool. How oh, wow! Magicians just, create just, excitement. Anyway. Just, just like magic, it works like magic. So since I got back in the industry, in the show business as a magician, um, we we we've got chains of clients and corporate bodies. We we perform for Etisalat, um, MC Hain, Nigeria Berries, private companies and when you perform for them is it an open show or exclusive shows well these are exclusive shows okay like i told you i just said i have a business plan that i want to execute i'm executing the plans so this is my first stage for now you're doing commission shows i'm doing commission You've shows not into open shows yet. i've not got into open shows i'm doing commission shows to really really bring magic back to people let let people see what magic is all about let yeah, people know what magic is all about not like um not like for a very long time people have been seeing magic live i mean if the few that have seen magic has been on television now when you say what magic is all about uh, yes uh, you were trying to clarify before the cameras rolled that what you do is entertainment magic yes Basically. Now please clarify for us what do you mean by that and what is magic all about okay i'll, I'll tell you this um, if I'm going to define magic, yeah, David Copperfield said magic is an act of making the impossible possible. David Copperfield said that. Then we have Harry Blackstone. He just put it simply: magic is entertaining hearts. You, you understand? But my dad, Professor Bella, he just said he described magic as an act, which is better seen than defined. He never defined magic because he said he was going to define magic from now till dawn. But what do you say magic is in your own parlance? And let me be specific here. In our, in our client here, we conceive of magic as something that has to do with voodoo or occultism or mysticism or animism, spiritism. Uh, isn't that what magic is all about? Isn't it about conjuring spirits and... Uh, whipping up Aladdin's, you know, like the Aladdin lamp. Isn't there some form of spiritual activity that goes on behind the scene for you to bring up those images that excite and entertain people? Good. That's a misconception. I'll, I'll tell you what magic really is. Magic is like any other thing you learn. And anybody can learn magic. I'm not a magician because I'm Professor Pella's son. I have friends that their parents and no magician. David Copperfield's parents were no magician. And even said David Copperfield is a Christian, a committed yes, practicing he's a, Christian. Yeah, he's a committed That's practicing news Christian. To me. And the parents are committed practicing Christian. If you Google it, you get to know this. You see? Isn't this just a smoke screen? Because we still believe that there's something that magicians do behind the scenes. No, I'll tell you. I I studied magic. I learned magic from my dad, Professor Peller. Then um, I went to magic school. I went to magic school in Italy. I went in uh, the United States. I went in the UK. And basically, for you to be a good magician, all you have to learn is the act of um, 
meditation and concentration. Really? If you are able to meditate over what you want to get done, like I want to make my sister float in the hair, I must have meditated before I come on stage. And when I get on stage, maybe if I put her on a, a bed and I want to float to the hair, I get to concentrate. Once I'm able to concentrate, I get anything done on that so, stage. So, so in all the resources you need to be an entertainment magician are the art or if you like the skills the, the of skills, concentration uh, and the, the skills, skills of, of meditation. meditation. All, all that's there's, all you that's need. That's all you need. All others that you learn from the magic schools, uh, your choreography, your costume, your music, what goes with what and that's it. Aside from that, nothing. I, I, I won't come on stage and start chanting anything. I don't chant anything. I won't come on stage and uh, wear charms and amulets. No, I just come on stage like a gentleman. So I the only resource you need, or the only resources you need, are your concentration your, skills your, and your and meditation, meditation skills. Skill. Once you're able to to master that, once you're able to master that, then. You, you achieve your goal as a good magician. So if I can get someone to train me to master the art of concentration and meditation, mm -hmm. I could come into the profession and start making money. Yeah, that's it. That's why you, like I said, like any other field, law, medicine, you have to study, you have to learn from somewhere. If I live in Africa, and I'm, because all of the training schools you've mentioned are in oh, Europe right, and yes. America, and I don't have the means of traveling to those climbs to undergo training what are the options open to me well basically the option open is you have to learn you have to learn from a professional from the masters like well, an apprentice like an apprentice but uh, as i am my dad show used to be a family show but now it's my show it's my show so i have when i was talking about stage assistants yeah. they are learning yeah they are learning at a point in time when I feel they're good enough, they'll have to go and uh, start their magic show. What do you see that convinces you that these guys are good enough to be let go to go and do their thing? Yeah, this is from experience because I it happened to me. I started training under my dad, and then I started out as bring these, bring that, bring that. I mean, this is it was it it was scripted. You know what to do next. So I started from there. So gradually, when my dad studied, I he realized I was doing very well at it. Well, initially when I started, there were mistakes there and there, looked at me with a stern look and correct myself the next show. And gradually, gradually things were getting better for me and he promoted me to a stage manager. So when I became, for you to become a stage manager, then you are good to go. So when he promoted me to the stage manager, that means everything was in my care. So he, he wouldn't even, my dad wouldn't even come on stage until like um, 30 minutes to the show. Then he'll come, he was, was rest assured that yes. So he, when you, if you have an apprentice now, yeah. you only need to look at consistency of delivery. Consistency of delivery and um, the enthusiasm and the commitment. Okay. the commitment and i have loads of them i have about four assistants working with me now i know who is who i know if one is better than the other they're not their performance are not the same i know okay this is good this is good this is i mean they're not going to graduate at the same, at the same time. time so one is going to come first like what happened to me so from the stage manager my dad just promoted me then i was doing shows 
on my own. I I will premiere a show. I'll come before he comes mm -hmm. in. I'll do the intro before my dad comes. That was where I started from. I remember the first time I had it. I can't remember what year now. We just got to the venue. He just said, okay, how's it? So you're going to do 10 minutes. And I was excited. So and I just, opportunity. yeah. Now when you want to choose, I mean, because uh, I can imagine a lot of offers, a lot of people will be requesting that you make them your apprentice mm. um, what are the checklists that you consider before you accept to bring someone on as an apprentice well um the basically you have to be someone that is learned as in read and write so yeah, so so right. so if you had a show tonight yes. and i want to come and serve as your stage assistant yes. i can read i can write I'm qualified. No, you're not qualified because what I said, you said before I start training someone. Before I can, uh, before you can come for training, I said that is what you need, okay. basically, to... But for you to be but for a you stage to assistant. be a stage assistant, you must have undergone training. I have the, the guys on with me now, I've got uh, two girls, two guys, yeah, they've been with me a very long time. We've practiced together, we have scripts, we work through the script together and we go through it together. And most of the time we are practicing because I have a studio in Lagos. Yeah, you rehearse yeah. and practice. Mm, we rehearse and practice. I mean, so they know what to do. So if anybody's coming now, you won't just jump on the stage because you won't even know what to do. So it's not as if, uh, it's, it's because they're already used to the script, they're already familiar with it, the processes. Mm, yes. It's not because you have to prepare them spiritually. No, 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 no. You can be a Christian, you can be a Muslim. It doesn't really, it, it doesn't, like, I remember my dad telling a reporter then that Islam is my religion, magic is my profession. They're two different. Is that the only option available to a new entrant in this climb? Yes, that is the only option. That is the only option because you have to be trained. It's like going to school. So the first thing first, you want to be a medical doctor, you have to study for it. What does it entail to set up a training school? Well, there are loads to it because um, you need to get authentication from the International Brotherhood of Magicians, the World Body of Magicians. So they're going to give you a checklist. And once you, once you meet the checklist, then it will be authenticated you're good to go good to go now so as an entrepreneur who sees a gap that can be explored or exploited but i'm not a magician i can't set up a training school is that what you're saying no no you can't set up a training school because for you to be a member of the international brotherhood of magicians you have to be a magician for you to be a member of the nigeria bar association you have to be a lawyer yeah, but we're talking here about just setting up a school. I, I, I'm not asking that I want to perform magic professionally. I just want to set up a school and bring magicians to come and train other well, interested... Well, it doesn't work like that when it comes okay. to magic. You have to be a magician. You, you must have undergone uh, tutelage under a professional magician. Mm -hmm. And who is even going to recommend you who is even going to recommend you to the international body mm -hmm. before you can become a member? 
Now, do you do branding strategy? Because, I mean, since you manage this as a business, yep. in today's business balance, we talk about branding strategy. Do you also apply the principles of branding to your operations? Yeah, basically, like I just said, I told you I have a business plan. Yeah, which I am executing. Which is not the same as branding principles, actually. But I, I do know that um, you, the costuming, uh, costumes, and the processes are part of the branding strategy. But uh, you would also agree with me that if it's a business, then there must be marketing tied to it somewhere. Of course, of course, there's marketing tied to it. So, uh, what's your marketing strategy like? A typical marketing strategy. Well, like I, I besides I, the publicist that does your that, that puts you in the public consciousness and puts your uh, skills, your art in public consciousness. What other kinds of uh, marketing variables do you do? You, do you well, that's what I do for now. The marketing strategy, a publicist that is putting, you, you know, like um, I'm just coming back into the industry mm. because two, three years now, I mean, it's a gradual thing. Yep. Rome wasn't built in a day. I haven't been around in a long time. So the terrain is still kind of, um, I, I'm getting myself familiar with the terrain. Yeah. And um, it's really coming up well. So I've got loads planned ahead. But for now, I have a good publicist, a PR. That is doing very well. All about collaboration that we have in other clients um, with non-magician organizations like uh, media organizations, like uh, um, performance theaters, you know, clubs, venues, basically, and, and so on. Yeah, is, basically, is that part of your plan? It's part of my plan. Like I said, you see, I have a business plan mapped out, and um, I'm just going to go step by step. By step, by step. And plan. I will find God. The fourth stage is really. It's really looking good. It's really looking good because um, this has brought us lots of good clients. So, so. Your own entry, this is your second coming to this client. For now, is commissioned performances. Yeah, for now, it's commissioned. What are the other options open to new entrants who don't want to go that route? Yeah, new entrants, new entrants will just want to go straight. What are the other options available to them if they don't want to start with commissioned? performances um, where they get commissioned by corporate bodies or individuals at their, at their events. What are the other options? I mean, you also mentioned that advertisers could also use you as um, subjects of the article. Um, yes, yes. The way, the way we have other entertainers. Those are just two options. Yes. What are the other options that you've mentioned all the options? Most of you, you've just right. done. As a magician, you can just decide that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm starting afresh. I'm a good, I'm, I'm a new, I'm new in the business. I just want to go and um, have a tour of Nigerian schools. Basically, people do that. You can just say, okay, I'm going to all the schools in Nigeria. If you want to do that, and, 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 and put together your own show. Yeah, yeah. The first thing is you put together your own show. If you're sure you have a good show, which <laughs> you must let people tell you that because I'm I'm really I'm always pleased when after a show a uh, an audience walked up to me a, a part of the audience walked up to me and said oh that was good that was good I haven't you seen this yes I look for feedback and I get good feedback and sometimes you get mixed feedback you get I mean there's some that will say well that was scary what they did was scary I mean some people don't like freaking you know things. if they're telling you the truth 
Yeah, because um, in our client people like to be polite. So how do you deserve? No, I, I, Nigerian people are blunt. I'll tell you this. It's only your family or your friends that will tell you yeah, that, that might be hiding things from you. But I've not met you before. You don't, even, you don't even want to walk up to me if you don't like my show. You understand? You don't even want so, to so walk up to me. performance, performance at venues, yeah. uh, like doing institution tours, what are the options? Because I really want us to explore. The you could do higher institution tours, shows which they do uh, in America and in England. Well, I wanted to do it, but it's still part of my plan. Like I haven't been here; I've been away for a long time. Yeah. I'm fresh. I'm back in Nigeria, so it's still in my plan. I'm, I'm so, what, I still want to. What, what, what other options? The, the, Based the, on your experience in other climes. The other, the other options is to have your own show, your home moving show, like a circus, from state to state, from schools to schools, clubs to clubs. These are what, what you can get in the United States and in Europe. Our friends that your own television show. Well, I think magic. I think magic basically. Um, one kind of a person that don't support magic on telly. Because people, <laughs> people are so funny that they could walk up to you and say, okay, what you did on that telly was a camera trick. Okay. You understand? So that's why I want people to see it live. Yeah, maybe I'm going to get to a stage where I'll go telly. But for now, I'm, I'm reviving it. I'm reviving magic. So I want people to see what magic is. To, to really appreciate it. Okay, so if anybody sees this, on the screen, you could say, no, this is no camera trick. I was at the show. I saw him did this. It happened on my dad's day. People were like, someone even said it to the extent that my dad hypnotized the camera. I said, no, that, that my dad hypnotized the audience. And someone was not saying, but we saw the same thing on the camera. Did he hypnotize the camera? The guy said, ah, he's a magician now. <laughs> he could have done that. You get it. What about street magic as they do abroad? Do you see it working here? Well, um, I, I have a mixed feelings about it. You see, anything you see on the streets in Nigeria, you just think um, there is a low-life person doing it. You get it. But when you see it in Europe, these guys are not low-life. Um, Chris Angel is a millionaire. Yeah. He, he does street magic. But for me, I've actually had someone say, how would you just be doing something on the street, doing shows? No, how, how did it happen? Yes, I have a manager. I have this phone company. They, this phone company contacted my manager and they said they wanted to have a road show. Okay. And my manager just called me and told me, ah, I, I spoke with the representative or so 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 whatever and they 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 were organizing a roadshow and they want you to be there and so I, he, he said he just told them that no without even contacting me because that's his own impression of a roadshow that how can how can zito do a roadshow on the street you understand so when he told me that i know that was that's his impression so me, I did. I I wouldn't do it too. Okay, but, but you see a potential in it. I see potential in it because they do it in Europe. Because I think it's just the mindset of the people. You understand? If people can really, really 
maybe see magic with an open mind watch magic with an open mind without being biased no uh, streaming no fanatics you just say that um, you can say a comedian on the street but even if you see a comedian on the street you will say ah who's this person maybe he's a low life but if you see a known comedian on the street you you start appreciating it and that's what gave me the good feelings about it that so i can products for children like the magic box thing like creating toys that can do one or two tricks Yes, we, we have that all over the world. We have that if, if you uh, walk. Having that here, do you yeah. see it uh, being a commercial success? Well, I see it as being a commercial success. If, but what I'm doing now is to enlighten people. Let people see what magic is all about. Let people know magic is not diabolical. Let people know magic is purely entertainment. If I'm able to do that, if I'm able to convince loads of people, then I see that as being a success. So your own concept of uh, commercial success has to begin with uh, creating awareness, sensitizing the people, basically, uh, helping them to have the correct uh, impression. Impression, basically, basically, that is the the first the stage. stage that is the first stage on my business plan. I need to ask. I've wondering now that you're here. <laughs> When you create food, you create clothing materials, you create different kinds of Can I eat the food you create? They're edible. They're edible. No harms. I, I do that at children's show. I, I produce sweets. sweets I, yeah, I produce sweets, biscuits, and the children take it. There's nothing to eat. Now, if you conjure clothing materials, can I take it home and wear it and use it on a permanent basis or it will disappear? It won't disappear, it's going to be permanent. It will never disappear. It will never disappear. It will never disappear. So that means you can conjure money? No, I, I don't do it. Why not? I don't, it's against the ethics of my profession. You know, every profession has their ethics. Yeah, if and you violate that ethics, you don't tell... It's not, about, it, it's not about telling them. Even if you don't tell them, yeah, when, um, when, when something starts going wrong, you know that, okay, I violated this. Now, um, have you ever been accosted by anyone who just asks for a favor? Because I'm tired of my spouse, and sorry, it doesn't mean cheap. I mean, please just make my spouse disappear forever or for a week or a month. Well, I've got loads, lo loads of people coming to me for making all kinds of making all kind of. It even started from school, you know, back in <laughs> Ife days, you know, through through throughout my years in Ife from first uh, from part one to four, yeah. my dad never allowed me to perform magic on stage in school. You know, but then whenever I was going on show, and I was another day, I'll go with him. But when he, he, when there was shows on campus, and I said, "Oh, Dad, I want to be part of this show," I said, "No, not yet." So I was wondering, that why I, I can do this? I'm just going to do five, ten minutes. He said, "No, he, he never allowed me." Not until my final year. So I, after my final exams, and we did a show, a third month show. There, but then it was. So I told him. And I said, okay. And I said, look, there is this show coming up, and it's my club. There was organizing it. And I said, okay, you can go ahead. I said, so why? They said, you finished your final exams. So I now did the show. The attention I started getting from that day after that show, yeah, it was as if I was never on that campus. 
They are telling you people were always coming. Ah, Zito, do this for me. Ah, Zito, do, do this like for me. People so, asking you to conjure questions. Question, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, after then, you know, initially from first first year, second year, third year, because I never did magic, all the new was that ah, this is Professor Pedersen. This is uh, his dad does magic and this and that. But when they saw me, and then I was like, ah, so this guy can do magic. After that show, People, I was like, hey, like, like a mini god on campus. It was like, hey, that's Professor Pelasson. Some people will even shake me. Oh, no, 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 I don't want to turn into whatever. So I now, when I now go back home after the show, my dad said, I was sure, fine, fine. So I now told you what happened. He said, yes, I deliberately didn't let you start from part one because if you had started from part one, you wouldn't have concentrated on your study because it would have started like that. It would just You would have become a star. So how uh, will you start to request? Oh well, we just laugh it up. We laugh it off, and um, uh, that is it. If you want me to make your spouse disappear, so so we just laugh it off, and um, that's how it's been. How do you prepare yourself for a performance? Yeah, before a performance. Footballers, we know they go to the gym. Yeah. Yeah, be yeah before a performance, all I do, like I told you, I will say my prayers. No, I'll say my prayers. Make sure I, I, I finish my prayers. Most shows we have, yes, as a Muslim. Most shows we have now, most shows are night. So I'll finish my prayers. That's what I learned from my dad. I would have finished this prayer. Even if the show is coming up in the afternoon, I will say my afternoon prayer. Then when i'm going on stage then i'll be back home when i'm still at home some minutes to the show i'll meditate this is what i want to do i have a script i've realized that i've realized that that's what i said i i i like a kind of division of labor where you you give people things to do you let them let this the person do this they said designer he said everybody the does everybody own does their own part. I just coordinate. I just want to come there and do my own show. That is, I like without it that way, without distraction. So all I do is meditate. Yep, some minutes to the show. Then I'll do my meditation backstage. When I get to the stage, do my meditation. So you don't receive phone calls. No, I won't. I don't. I won't receive phone calls. I won't. My my phone will be on silent, and it's not with me. It's with my PA. So. After then, go on stage, and when I'm on stage, I won't even see you. So you're if, totally concentrating. Yeah, I, on you, your performance. On my performance. What would happen if you lose concentration? Uh, you see, like I said, basically those are the two basic things to be a good magician: okay. meditation and concentration. So when you go on stage, you have to concentrate hundred percent. If, no, no, if you go on stage and lose concentration, things can go wrong. Yeah, yeah my sister can fall off from the air. You know, things can go wrong. Anything will go wrong. Because, and that's what I say, when I'm on stage, I smile, no more, but I don't even see anybody. So you're not smiling at people, it's just part of the choreography. It's, it's part of the choreography. You know, people think you're smiling at them, yeah, but you're not smiling at any particular person. I mean, you're, you're just, just it's just that, uh, for me, it's just blank. Yeah. You're just doing your thing because I, I mean, it happened to one of my friends before, he said he was doing something that was in Spain, he was doing something. 
Then he was carried away by this girl that was flirting. <laughs> I was going to ask you. But this guy that was like flirting with him on stage and, and he was like, stage. yeah, so something something went wrong with him. So it could be fatal. Yeah. It could be fatal. Yeah, yeah so that's um that that's the essence of learning this thing, going to school, mastering things. So I it's it, for me, it's, it's all training. in all. Uh, I'm really trained for that. So yeah. no distractions from the audience. No, no distraction. No precipitation. No, no, I won't. He, he no, your wife is not watching. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's, she's, no, 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 she's no, no. She's not watching. Right now. No, after the show, you could see pretty babes, but not when you're oh, on stage. No, I know when. No, on stage. Very, very memorable performance. I, I've watched many of your late father's performance okay. on TV yep. growing up and one of the most memorable was the way he used to cut up Lady Pella then <laughs> so sometimes it take, she's standing up and she's taking off her yeah, head yeah. and then sometimes it keeps her in a box and yeah. and, and saws the box into pieces yep. with her there mm. and then suddenly she comes out from the box again yeah. we haven't seen you doing such yeah. performance. Can you do that as well? Uh, well, um, I'm going to tell you this. You see, we have different kind of audience in Nigeria. Okay. In Europe, in America, you you see people do things like that. I mean, but they call it gory. They, some call it freaky. Some call it scary. You know, but I've tested the terrain here in Nigeria. And I can say that most of the audience, they, they don't want to see things like that. They really want to be entertained. I had a show where I sliced my sister's head off and almost half of the hall went out that day because they were scared. I had a show where I suspended my sister in the hair. The hapless was grand. So I, I, I really studied the terrain and I know what people want to see. But, but some people still like freaky, some people still want scary, yeah. but you know, you see, because I remember what you just said about my dad, I remember a very long time ago at the National Art Center in Lagos, you know, my dad used to do cutting and my mom would be in the box and the cutter into two, so there was a critic in one of the newspaper then, he just wrote that, well, why was Professor Pella, why did Professor Pella have to put his wife in the box to cut, why can't he just cut? the wife in open view and people could so, so my dad now took up the challenge and my dad I remember my dad had an interview and he did say look I'm an entertainer I want to entertain people I don't want to scare people so that's why I do that and I hypnotize her before cutting her and no clothes in the box yes so my dad now took up the challenge so he had that show at the National Theatre and I remember Chief Obafemi Olo was the chairman of the occasion. Uh, Alaji Latif Gakode was there. There were loads of dignitaries. Yeah, yes, yes. And my dad just brought, well, I was seeing it for the first time. I was a young boy then. I was still in secondary school. And you put your mom on the table. Yes, on the bed. And he now used this gigantic sewing machine. It was a very big, massive like sewing the machine. Used for timber. Yeah, for timber, the big one. And it just went, I was in the audience, I was in the audience, my sisters, everybody were there, my, my brothers, my brother was the stage manager then, so they, my big brothers. So my dad just went, when he put, 
when the saw just went through, there was blood everywhere. People were running out of the hall. Some people, the hall was half empty. There was blood. Because I was going to ask you. Yes, there, you there, there was blood. Because then, he, because he wanted to entertain people, you, he, 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 yes, no, but, you know that was why he was putting her in the box. That yeah, he didn't want to scare anybody. Her. Yeah, so he just do so a kind of. He saw that openly, and people were running out of the other. And something else happened. Someone did something, and my dad couldn't get mom back together again. You know, so my dad had to come. I knew he was very, very confused. He was worried. He was going back, said coming back. He was going back, said coming back. And um, after a while, they just covered up blood stains and everything, covered up mom's body. And he just picked the microphone and just said, well, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're really sorry about this. But uh, if you have the ticket for this show, you can bring it tomorrow. To collect your money back? No, not to collect your money back. That will continue tomorrow. Okay. That the show will continue? Yes tomorrow and after then my dad just left i did not even see my dad the driver just took him also and the driver the took of... us and the body was there so his assistants were in the hall they were all in the hall you know after the show my dad just went when we got to the house we saw his car but he was just in his room new year he had gone to meditate he was in the room with him so the next day and where was your mom's body? He was there, he was on the bed. He was not a box, he was on the bed and he was covered, blood stain. Yeah, blood stain and everything. He was in the papers and um, people talk about this a lot. People of his time, people of his age, people were there. Chief of Papa and was there. Uncle of blessed memory too, was there. You know, so they were all like confused, they were panicking and they all came to the house, but nobody saw that. Because they had locked it. Yeah, we were all banking, but the next day he just came out. He did not even speak to anybody. He just came by straight to the, the theater and he was backstage, still meditating. Everybody came. The all was full. The all was full, and um, I would all came back. Definitely came back. All of them were all there. So at the end of the day, my dad came on stage and um, he now narrated that he was really sorry about what happened. And I'll tell you what, somebody came on stage. So somebody actually did a voodoo? Yes. Somebody came on stage, um, a commissioner of police in Lagos State then. I can't remember his name, I was really young. He came and said, said he has killed his wife. That what happened because he was his friend. And I said, no, don't worry. Because we got a report and this is why we're here. Police were all there and everything. So. When my dad just came on stage and narrated what happened, the, the blood stain, a body was still there and I covered it back. The silver body was there for the whole of two Yes, days. yes. And she was breathing? No, she couldn't be breathing. She was, she was gone. She was dead? Huh? Yeah, she, she was gone. His boys were my, the assistants were there. So how did they put her back together? Well, he was um, covered it up. And he was making a statement and this and this and that, that he's just an entertainer and um, well, he was doing that act for the first time anyway. You know, like I openly said, yeah, yeah, openly for the first time, cutting into two in a box, he does that, 
this then I said something and this 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 went wrong and all of a sudden he covered the the, the, body. the body was there he, he covered it with another shit uh, a plain white shit and he started the he started the levitation the all was the all went wild because it started levitation the body started levitating into the air and all of a sudden he pulled the cloth off and she was not there and the next day she was beside Baba Ulo. right there yeah right there ill and healthy he's in the papers too even my mom had an interview last year <laughs> with the the reporter referred oh, to it yeah so yeah he said it he said it so after some time yeah he said um he realized they he had an interview and the reporter like you said that um, are you a member of any cult my dad said no i said ah, so what he which is a wizard try you say no they cannot try me we're not on the same realm you know now say someone took that up so that was why i did to test him and thank god my mom didn't lose her life and it happened again in undo my mom was levitating i got to a stage she couldn't go up and she couldn't come down so i was on stage i was the stage manager so i i then i now realized what could be happening so immediately my dad went backstage he meditated after like 10 minutes he came on stage and mom was able to come down and after the show my dad just rushed to the entrance of the hall and people were going as people were going out he just pulled one man in a bag and he dipped his hand into his pocket and he brought out a padlock and my dad said what did i do to you do you know me and he just frustrated i wanted to test the power. Yes, that someone does, but, but you just gave him. all these live experiences <laughs> that are glory and you magic. And you still want to go ahead and do magic. Oh, well, basically, I've got the training. Like you see, experience, they say, is the best teacher. I've been trained. I've experienced this with my dad. Was he? He was, he was not in it alone then. If I lose my mom, what would have happened? But we were in it together. I mean, we couldn't sleep, we were all crying over that. And it happened. So he told me what happened. So I knew. So now um, I'm ready for that. Yeah, I can guide against that. And uh, that's why I said you, you must be good. You must get training in meditation and um, concentration. Uh, perhaps maybe other things that you're not telling us. Oh uh, well, there are no other things like I tell like I'm telling you there is no voodoo in magic. Magic is what you can learn. If you Google it, I mean you'll see training schools for magic. My pleasure. It's been a stimulating discussion and conversation we're having. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.